Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. (laughs) I should teach you never to gamble with the pastor. Not that we gamble around here. There's just a little understanding that if one of us lost, the other would wear the other's jersey, and I don't have to wear a 49ers, or I mean a Packers jersey, which I was really grateful for. <laughs> oh my goodness, it's so good to see you guys. I hope you're having a wonderful day, and uh, we are excited. I was excited to have Milo with us. Did you enjoy his worship leading? Yeah. <laughs> Milo will be here again next week, and we're just having a great time. Uh, worshiping and having different influences in our life, and it's very, very exciting. So it's great, great to worship God. Our goal every Sunday is not that you walk out of here going, man, wasn't Milo great, or man, wasn't Pastor Ricardo bring a word. It's that you would say, I met with God. I met with God. That's the goal. That's the goal. And if you, all the other stuff can be icing on the cake, but if you meet with God, that's the most important part of it. And we want to encourage you. If during worship, if you feel the need to come to the altar, you're welcome to come to the altar. If you feel the need to, uh, uh, when it says dance, do a little jig, you know, depending on what generation you're from, you might do a little waltz. Uh, Me, I might do a little disco um, or some of this. No, no, anyway. Just don't move your hips. That's where the sin begins. Okay? (laughs) Just kidding. I want to invite you to the financial update that will immediately follow this service. So if you want to hang out and just get a financial summary of how last year went and how, what we're looking forward to this year, uh, we encourage you. We'll have a little handout explaining how last year went and our goals and ambitions for this coming year, just as, as all things financial. And so if you're interested, uh, hang around after the service. It should last about uh, 15 minutes to half an hour, depending on questions. And so we just want to make sure that we're always being transparent and informative about tithes, offerings, and accountable to those things as well. Also, I want to make sure that you guys start inviting friends to our next series, not next week, but the following week called Creed. Creed. This is a series on the essential beliefs of the Christian faith, but it's more than that. It's answering the question, why do we believe? Not just what, but why do we believe what we believe? And I think that's going to be a big part of the heartbeat of people who are out there, maybe your friends, maybe your coworkers or family members, whatever the case may be, who are asking questions about why is Christianity such a big deal? Why do we sell out to it? Why are we all in, if you will? And so I want to encourage you guys to invite, 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 invite. And that's the, the, the thing that we have to do anyway, is invite our family, our friends, our coworkers, our enemies, whoever you want to see Jesus and keep out of hell. Amen? Did you catch that last part? Autopsies. Have you ever thought about an autopsy? I know it's a morbid thought to go right from inviting friends to autopsies. But um, autopsies are done on people who usually unexpectedly die or for some suspicious reason have passed away. And so the cause of death is really what the goal is in an autopsy. It's the goal to find out what has happened to this person to cause them to die. What, you know, natural deaths don't usually require. I I go to um, many different calls um, from the Ventura Police Department. And and normally when I'm called out, uh, 
I'm called out during the day or the night, it's normally a circumstance in which someone has passed away. Unexpectedly, the family is going crazy. They're freaking out. They're going through difficult times. And the police need to do their work, so they call me to come and help comfort and be there for the family. If it's a natural death, that death is usually not... uh, the, The medical examiner comes, and it's a natural death, so they release that body immediately to the family, and then the family calls the funeral home and the funeral home takes the body, and then the, there's a funeral, and there's no autopsy because it's a natural death, natural causes. It was a medical issue that was known, it was familiar, but in some cases, there's a suicide or uh, a murder or something like that that happens, or uh, whatever the case may be that's unexpected, and it's unknown what caused the death. So as a result, um, that's when the autopsy takes place. And the, the sad part about the beginning of this message, it's going to get much more hopeful later. The sad part about this is that there are many, many churches dying. There are many, many churches dying. There's all kinds of statistics out there about churches dying, pastors quitting, all kinds of things. There's one statistic out there that pastors are quitting. 1,500 pastors a month are quitting the ministry um, some people are questioning that number. It could be as low as 1,000, but many, many pastors, especially during COVID and the divisiveness of what COVID has created, masks, no masks, services, no services, all this kind of stuff, has been crazy. And, and pastors are feeling the pressure of leading and, and the churches are dwindling and all these things are happening. And, and so um, there's this guy named Tom Rainer. He is a, a church professional. He, he studies churches and he goes a, a, around and he, he does all these surveys and he's done the, what is called an autopsy of the, ch- of the dying church. And he found two primary reasons that churches die. I don't think you'll be surprised by them. Maybe you will be. It's not the lack of giving. It's not the lack of evangelism. It's preferences. The first reason most churches die is because of preferences. The people in the church have a preference about what church should be for themselves. That's hard to swallow, isn't it? That's a hard pill to swallow sometimes because we do have preferences. I have a style of music I like. I have a style of, of people that I like to hang out with. Not really. I mean, it, yes, well, I don't know. Um, if you like food, we're friends, okay? <clears throat> That's it. That's my only preference, and preferably Mexican food. If you like sauerkraut, we're not friends anymore, okay? <laughs> but we all have these preferences. We all have ways that we expect and want church to, to be for us and about us. And I want my church my way. And, and that's the, the killer of churches because today, in today's world, the only re- way to reach people who are far from God is to meet them at their point of need, not at our point of need. Amen. It's really hard to swallow this pill. Which leads to the next symptom or cause of death of churches, and that is denial is that we're denying that we have preferences. 
We're denying that we want church our way, and we're not willing to look at our church and say, hey, we're not effective. We're not doing what we should be doing. We're not reaching people for, that are far from God. We're not touching the lives of those that, that need Jesus. We're not evangelizing. We're not inviting people to church. And, and we, we look at church as something for us rather than something that should be a missional energy of effort to reach this world for Christ. And so if we aren't willing to admit that we're ineffective, if we are ineffective, then it's another cause of death. So having church our way and denying that we're ineffective are the two primary reasons for churches dying today. This was a survey, I think he said, of about 5,000 churches, and, and many of those churches died. And he's like, what's keeping the churches that are alive alive? What, what's keeping the churches that aren't dying living? What's, what's making that happen? And there was one thing, one thing. There's many little things, but there's one big thing that sets a church apart from the dying and the living, and that is a church that communicates and lives out hope. Hope. I love the songs we sang this morning because they're, they're songs of hope. They're songs that promise that God is interested and is able to, to take care of us while we take care of others. And that's really the difference is we have a hope in Christ. We have a hope in eternity. We have a hope that he is involved and connected to our daily life, not just our, our eternity. Not, he doesn't just get us saved and then kind of let us linger until we die. It's, it's, he's always involved. He's always connected. There's this hope. And this hope not only for ourselves, but for others who need Jesus Christ. And so this is a hope in life, a hope in circumstances, a hope in relationships, a hope in finances. It's all these things that are interconnected to a relationship with Jesus that gives us hope. That's what a living church depends on for its food, for its energy, for its life, uh, life flow. And, and, and when we show hope, it's different than what the world shows. It's different than what the world is experiencing. This world does not have hope without Jesus. This world understands, or doesn't understand, but it, it, it lives in a hopeless state. Why? It's always groping for something else, something that could sustain life instead of the Jesus that is the only one who can give life. And so why am I talking about the death of churches or the living church? It's because I believe that if we are going to be a church that makes a difference, that steps away from ourselves and does something different, it's that we're going to let go of our preferences. And that may be difficult. I've pastored for 35 years. I have yet to go to a church or be a pastor of a church of people that didn't have preferences. And I think it's okay to have preferences. Because when you turn on your radio, you're going to prefer a certain style of music, right? Or you're going to put talk radio on or sports radio. Or you're going you're to prefer that. That's in your car by yourself with you. When you're at home and you're having your, your devotions and you're listening to music and you're worshiping, you're going to choose probably the music that you most like. If you choose something else, you're a little different. You're strange. 
So preferences aren't bad, but when preferences get in the way of the mission of God to touch people's lives, that's when it gets complicated. That's when it gets difficult. That's when the church is doing something different. You don't quite like it. You don't quite prefer it. You don't quite think it's the thing that the church should do because it's not meeting your need. The one thing that you'll hear all the time that I've heard for years and years is, I'm not being fed. What really that statement is saying is, in most cases, is I don't prefer what you're doing. I don't prefer what you're saying. I don't prefer what style of worship you're doing. I, all those kinds of things. And I'm just being raw. Is this okay? You guys all right? Okay. And so we have to settle into this idea as Journey Church Ventura that we are going to do whatever it takes to say this, it's not about me. It's not about me. I want you to look at a really interesting story in Scripture. I love this story. It's one of the best stories uh, that we read when Jesus is doing some pretty crazy stuff. And it's in Matthew 14, starting with verse 13. I'm going to read through the whole story, and then we'll come back to the beginning of it. So when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat to, uh, privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. What, a, what an amazing Jesus he was and is. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said, and he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Some theologians believe that there could have been as many as 20,000 people fed that day, starting with five loaves and two fish. So let's go back to the story and look at the beginning of it. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Here's some really, really great things. First of all, let's realize that people want to be with Jesus. People want to be with Jesus. We have this kind of mentality in our heads because there's some pushback against Christianity that um, people don't want to hear about Jesus or don't want to be with Jesus. They, they typically don't want to just hear about him. They want to see and experience him. That's why we, you and me, must put aside our preferences and be as much like Jesus as possible around the people that uh, we hang out with. Because they do want to be with Jesus. And if we're being Jesus by the Holy Spirit pouring through us and out of us and into the lives of those around us, they will want to hang out. They'll want to come to church. They'll want to do the things that you do because they love being with Jesus. Not necessarily with you. And that's hard to accept sometimes, right? 
It's not about you, right? It's not about me. It's about Jesus. And when we're what Jesus needs us to be with others, they want to be with him. And so there's hundreds, thousands of people hanging out with Jesus. Don't believe for a moment that, don't be, that people don't want to meet the Jesus we love and serve. That's, that's a fallacy. That's a fault. And we also need to understand that we have to show compassion. This passage of Scripture shows us the very nature of Jesus and, and the very nature of his heart to show love to people who are lost, who are helpless, who are harassed and sick. And he healed. He had power. He was healing the sick. Don't hesitate to pray for those that are sick. And if God doesn't heal them physically, he has every opportunity to heal them spiritually. Amen? And when you show them that love, when you show them that compassion, when we give our, our lives to them and say, hey, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have is Jesus. Amen. I will give him to you. I will give him to you. So this little part of this story shows us that we, if we're going to be like Jesus, we have to, and his, by the way, his preference in this moment would have been to be in a solitary place resting and praying. But his preference got set aside so that he could minister to the, these people. Verse 15, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. So they recognized the setting. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Mm. This is a tragic statement. It's also a tragic statement of the church. And I'm going to relate it in just a moment. But this basically says from a group of disciples that are following Jesus, that have seen him turn the water into wine, that have seen him make the lame walk and the blind see and the deaf hear and the, and, and, and the mute speak. They've seen him do all these things and yet they don't believe that he can solve the hunger problem. And so what do they say? They say, send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Let the people who are harassed and helpless and hungry take care of themselves. Today, if our preferences are more important than the needs of the people outside these walls, then what we are saying to them is, what I need is more important than what you need. Go feed yourself. If our preferences are keeping us from touching the hearts and lives of people outside these walls, then our preferences are taking precedent over the needs of those outside this wall. And we, last week we talked about their predicament. We talked that they were lost. We talked that, that the devil is there to steal, kill, and destroy and to, to, to take apart their lives, and, which is exactly what he's doing to those who are far from God. And we can't be that church, that faithless church that says, go get your own food. Go get your own food. If we're shutting down churches, if we're closing the doors, we're basically saying to the community, we don't have the answers. We don't have the solution to your needs. We can't even get along inside, let alone outside. Instead, we need to keep our doors wide open 
and our preferences to ourselves so that we can go and touch the hearts and lives of people who need a touch from Jesus. That's what it's all about, you guys. We don't need to send them away. We need to invite them in. We need to say, come on, come on, come on. We got Jesus in the room. Jesus is here. What little we have, we're going to give you, but here's what he can do with a little. He can do a lot. There's nothing he can't do with our little bit to the whole bunch of people out there. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Let's not live this, this, this falsehood that the world can help themselves. They can't. And Jesus recognized this. And then Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. And then he says this, you give them something to eat. He didn't say, I'll give them something to eat. He said, you give them something to eat. He put it on the, 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 the disciples' shoulders, and then, he, and then they said what all of us would say. We only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. That's all we got. Jesus, we can't feed all these people with this. We can't do it. And maybe you're looking in the room and you're saying, this is all we got. We can't touch Ventura County. We can't touch 750,000 people. We can't reach hundreds of people. We can't change the world. We can't touch the lives of hundreds, if not thousands. We can't reach what? We don't have it. Oh, man. What Jesus is saying is, I'm, I want you to feed the people. What do we got? We, we have here only. If you're using the word only in your life, I only have $2 to give. I only have $10. I only have a little bit of gas. I only have... If you're, on, if you're saying only, then you're in the same boat. You're in the same boat. We tend to look at the story and say, Jesus feeds 5,000. Look at all the 5,000 people. They must have been amazed. And the apostles, the disciples are in the middle. And we pay little attention to them. But they're the ones that are saying, we only have. And then Jesus says, bring them here to me. Give me what you have. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples. Remember, you feed them. You feed them. He gave them to the disciples and then the disciples gave them to the people. The disciples ended up feeding them. Now, I don't know about you, but I would have been freaking out. Five loaves, two fish. Jesus prays, thank, gives thanks. Thank you, thank you. I don't know how he prayed that prayer. Thank me for these fish. I don't know how that worked because Jesus is God. And you know, he's like, I don't understand the whole prayer thing. He's God. He's like, who does he really think? He's thanking. He's, he's grateful for the fish. He's, you know, we have to be grateful for the little that we do have. But he says... He gives thanks, and then he gives, and, and they must have been like, holy manna. <laughs> I 
Can you imagine the experience they were having as he was blessing the fish? Thank you for these five loaves of bread and these two fish. And then he starts breaking them apart and they just keep expanding. It's kind of like one of those chia pets. You know, just add water, just add prayer and faith. And then all of a sudden, the creative, the creator of the universe showed up. Don't think that what you have, that little bit, God can't take it and make it something huge. You have something to give to these people. You have some faith to give to these people. You have a message of, of joy. You have hope in the, in the eternal salvation of Jesus Christ. We have it. It may be little. It may be small. It may be just the faith of a mustard seed. But whatever it is, he can turn it into something huge. I hope and pray that we can understand that if we have a preference more than our faith, that preference is going to keep us from doing everything that God wants us to do. And if we don't believe that what he, can, what he can do with our little, he can make into a lot, then we will only see ourselves as this little drop in the bucket. But church, we're not that. We're faith-filled, Holy Ghost-filled, powerful people that have the ability to do things that only God can do through us. It's not our power. It's not in our minds. It's not in our own hearts. But if we submit and give everything to him, what we understand in this whole situation is no one was really prepared for lunch. (laughs) Except for one person who had five loaves and two fish. And Jesus was prepared for the big lunch. He's prepared for the big lunch for Journey. He's prepared for the big lunch for you. And it just takes whatever you have to put in his hands. Don't think you have too little. Don't wait for, I'm going to wait until I have some more. Then I'll give. No, don't do that. Because if you do that, then it's on you. And so they started giving out to the people. They were having an Oprah experience. You get some bread. You get some fish. You get some bread. You get some fish. And they're walking through the whole thousands of people and handing out baskets of, full of fish. And every family and every group of people were getting more and more fish and more and more bread. And they're like, where is all this coming from? Uh, the creator. Uh, we started with five loaves and two fish. He's, on, he's working right now. And the miracle happens, and, and I believe that this is what God wants for you and for me to understand that we are the disciples. We are the ones that have the five loaves and two fish, and we need to put it in, ha- in God's hands. And when we're obedient to him, he will begin the increase. Amen. 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 If there's anything I want you to walk away with, I want you to hear this. We are the feeders, not the eaters. We're in the middle. We're the feeders, not the eaters. There are people that need to be fed out there. There are people that need Jesus. There are people that need that broken bread to to hand to them and show them that Jesus is alive and he's well. We have hope in our hearts and we're the difference in the world because Jesus is the difference in us. And that's what we need to hand to people. And so over 5,000 people were fed that day. From five loaves and two fish, the creator of the universe started creating bread and creating fish. You imagine those heavens, heaven's ovens were hot. And the fire was loaded with fish. 
And I, I, I just can't imagine what that felt like and looked like. And it's like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. And then there were leftovers. There were leftovers. There's a time to eat, but it's after everyone's been fed. The disciples collected those baskets. We're not really told what they did with them, but I would imagine they didn't call them leftovers. I imagine they called it a blessing. There, were more, there was more food left over than when they started. That's how Jesus works. You're afraid to give. You're afraid to give some time. You're afraid to give some energy. Maybe those little hour that you can offer or that $10 you could give or, or that lunch you could give away or whatever it may be. You're afraid to give it because, oh, I, I need it. I need it. I need it. That's our preferences. When in reality, if we just give it, there'd be more on the other side. There'd be more on the other side. Mission is about the collective purpose we all have. If we, you and I, would just do what God is calling us to do and give the little bit that we have, whatever that may be. Some of us are able to give more, but your more is a little bit of what you have. Your little bit is a lot of what you have. And so I encourage you, be faithful with it. Put it, put it where God wants you to put it. Tithe. Give generously. Do whatever it takes to put yourself in a place where God can increase what you have, not you increase what you have. We've all learned that the stock market isn't trustworthy. There are people that are wise with it. There are smart people that know how to make it work. There's no better place to put anything than when you put what you have in God's hand. Two more scriptures I want to share with you. Here's the call. Here's, here's, here's what we need to step out and say, okay, I'm all in. Matthew 10, 38 says, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. There's three things here. Take up their cross. This is not, I have a hangnail, and I'm, I'm suffering because it hurts, and I'm, I'm taking up my cross. Hangnails, colds, the things that happen naturally in this world are not crosses. They're not crosses. What's a cross? A personal sacrifice to obey God and say, I, my, my, I'm not important. It's not about me. It's about whatever Jesus wants from me. If I have to put myself out there and be bold and tell somebody about Jesus, I'm going to do that. Although my preference is to protect myself and to not embarrass myself and not to put myself in a place where I could be questioned or put myself in a place of fear. No, I'm going to do whatever it takes because I'm going to deny myself and take up my cross and I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to take my little bit and give it to him because he's going to increase it. Take up your cross and follow me. If we're not willing to do that, if we're not willing to make a personal sacrifice, if we're not willing to give him everything, then he says he's not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. In other words, whoever wants to just, 
I, I, I'm, I'm so done with Jesus. I've done, all my, I've done everything I should do. Now I'm a retired Christian. No such thing. There's no such thing as a retired Christian. We don't get life here. We get life eternal. And we get, we get eternal life starting when we accepted Jesus. We, we're living the eternal life now. And so you're not going to lose anything by giving your life to Jesus. But if you want to keep your life, then you're going to lose it. So give it all up. Give it all up. He said, you only live once. No. You live now. And you live for eternity. Paul said this in Philippians chapter 1. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For to me to live is Christ. That simply means that everything I do now, while I'm breathing this air, while my heart is thumping, while I'm still going, is to live for Jesus. And then the gain is when I die. So the gain is when we pass over the threshold of this life into the next life of eternal life, of of the spirit life that we're going to experience. And that's the gain part. Right now it's the sacrifice. Right now it's the cross part. Right now it's saying, I don't matter. It's not about me. It's about Jesus and whatever he wants from me, however much he wants to use me, however much he wants to use my resources or his resources that I have been given to steward, I'm more than happy to do whatever it takes to bring hope to this world. No one will do an autopsy of our church. I'm convinced of that. Why? Because I believe in you. I'm not, this is no marketing thing. I'm not trying to pump you up. I'm just saying the truth. I believe in this group of people to have faith to not put our preferences in front of our, 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 our purpose. Our preferences may rise up every once in a while. And we may get a little testy every once in a while. I want this. I want that. We may, we're family. It's going to happen. But then we're going to get together and go, wait, 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 wait. It's not about us. It's about the people in this community that need Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And we're going to be there for them. And we're going to take what little we have and give it to Jesus and he's going to multiply it. And we're going to see this place full and full and full and full. Amen? Amen. All in means that we are willing to lose ourselves for the cause of Christ. All in means we are willing to place our own preferences aside to see that people far from God need Jesus. All in means we are willing to serve so that people will have all obstacles removed for them to meet Jesus. All in means that we are feeders, not eaters. We get the blessings or the leftovers, if you want to call them that. But we make sure people eat first. And I believe the big question is, are you all in? Are you all in? 24-7, 365, are you all in? And if you are, I want you to just stand and let's worship God right now. Let's praise him. Let's exalt him. Let's lift him up. Let's give him everything we've got and our energy and our strength.
I'm excited for the end of this service because I believe God is just doing something special in us. He's doing something deep in me as your pastor. As I continue to pray, as I continue to study, I see what God is doing. And I believe in faith that he is going to do something far beyond our imaginations. We look at it and go, I only have five fish and two loaves. Jesus says, you have enough to feed a whole army of people. That's awesome. Let's give it all to him right now. God, we just thank you so much that you show us, Lord, that you can do more with a little than we could ever do with a lot. Lord, we can't, we can't even come close to touching what you can do. And Lord, right now, we simply surrender our lives to you. Lord, you've told us that we need to be the feeders. You've told us to you go make disciples. You go into all the world. You go share the faith of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we commit to do that today. Even though we feel like we're, we're little or have a little, we give it all to you right now in the name of Jesus. And I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would rest on every heart in this room, every mind, every spirit, God, that you would motivate us, God, to step beyond our preferences to our purpose. To, our purpose is to serve you. Our purpose is to give everything to you. Our purpose is to let you use us God, for your kingdom's sake, to reach people far from you. I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would rest in our hearts as Peter walked by the gate beautiful and saw a crippled man. He did not have any money to give him. He had you and your power to give him. Lord, give us that same faith. Give us that same power. Give us that same boldness. Give us that same hope, Lord, for those that are lost, that they can be reached, that they can be touched, and their miracle can speak to your glory and, and make your glory known to this world. I believe, God, that you're doing something great. I believe that you're doing something powerful. I believe that you're anointing hearts right now. God, to go to another level of faith, another level of walk with you. I believe that you're doing something dynamic in the name of Jesus. And I pray that you touch hearts and lives in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, forgive us if we've only been partially in. We're all in. We're all in. Lord, we may only have five loaves and two fish, but we give it all to you. We give it all to you right now in the name of Jesus. And we trust that you will use it to feed the 5,000, that you will use it to feed our coworkers, that you will use it to feed our family members, that you will use it, Lord, to feed our neighbors and our neighborhoods. God, that you will help us to reach this county for you in the name of Jesus. We give you thanks and praise. One last thing and always at the end of our services, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you don't have a personal relationship with him, I want to invite you right now to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you do it by just simply saying this simple prayer and you can do it right there as you, in your chair, right there in your home as you, if you're online. We just pray, just pray this simple prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I've made mistakes. I've done things that have separated me from you. And I ask that you would forgive me. And I accept that forgiveness, Lord, based on the work you did on the cross where you died for me. I thank you for dying for me. I thank you for forgiving me of my sin. And I accept your forgiveness right now. And Jesus, I believe that you were raised from the dead and that you give me life and hope for eternal life. And I, believe, I thank you for that. And I believe that you were raised from the dead. And I accept that right now in Jesus' name. 
And I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. For the rest of my life, I will follow you. Amen and amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.